I'm Adam Epstein, and I'm a dirty moderate. Dirty moderates. The midterm elections are two weeks from today. So here I am. We're two weeks out. And I'm just going to tell you what I feel. I'm not going to tell you um, that I agree with it. But I read the New York Times that the Democrats now think it's a good idea to talk about inflation, you know, and the pinch of inflation. Well, if you remember, I've been kind of pleading with them to do so and telling my good, solid, patriotic, democratic friends, and y'all are, you know, I love you guys, to get real and talk about shit. Because things are looking bleak for you. And when I say for you, I don't say it with glee because, you know, I don't want that because it's democracy or bust. It's America, Trumpism, 300 election deniers on the ballot, thereabouts, various offices all across this country. But you are even facing headwinds in blue districts and perilous. That's really, really perilous. That shouldn't be. But prior to this taping, I was talking to my producer about how you bet on the wrong horse. You're in a blue state carrying on about your opponent's pro-life record when abortion rights or marriage equality, in the case of Nevada, having both of those things, are enshrined into their state constitutions. They're not being changed. Everything isn't federal. That's the problem. The Democrats got walloped in 2010, which is one of the reasons they're so out of power and struggling in state legislatures everywhere, because all they cared about was the Obama presidency. Well, folks, there's 50 states. States were famously known as the laboratories of democracy. That's what they're supposed to be. You have a governor, you have a legislature, right? You have a mayor in your town or a, um, an alderman or a representative. Anyway, where it depends on where you live. Those people are addressing your needs. You know, someone running for the mayor of LA, there's no jurisdiction over abortion. So if somebody is running, like a Rick Caruso, for example, who had a previously Republican record, against a, a, you know, a very uh, decent but establishment-ridden Democrat like Karen Bass, why would you not, if you know, look at the state of LA, why would you vote to continue the same thing? You're voting on Dobbs? Guys, this is crazy. Because, and this is where I'm going with this, politics is back to brass tacks. I've said it, politics is back to the basics, the real stuff. It's the economy, stupid, as Jim Carville said. The money, the economy. Can I feed my family? Can I pay my rent? And if you don't speak to that, guess who will? Fascists. And that's what you're running against. Because you know what they do is they may use the culture wars, whether it be trans rights or book banning, critical race theory, all of that stuff to lather up the, the loons. That's what they are, the bay, the hardcore base. But they get out there and they say, on top of it, look, Joe Biden has uh, been in office two years. Are you better off than you were? Almost two years he's been in. Inflation's higher. Gas prices are higher. And they're going to use all that stuff. Fascists will speak to it if good, moderate Democrats won't, or even moderate Republicans, and there's so few of them. That's why I'm a dirty moderate, because I'm worried. Right, as an independent, I say this: I have voted for Republicans before, but most of the 2022 Republican candidates running for all the offices are some or all the following. Okay, they are election denier, huckster, crank, imbecile, clown, 
weirdo, seditionist, fascist, white nationalist, conspiracy theorist, QAnon nut, inveterate liar, or even a crypto Nazi. In some cases, an open, I don't want to say Nazi, but an open white supremacist. No matter how much ink has been dried, guys, talking about how the party of Lincoln is no more, how the philosophical and moral collapse of a party, right, that literally was formed and foundationally in its creedal mission, down to its marrow, was the thwarting of slavery into a young and burgeoning nation. Now, you can't say that a party that was founded on that by Abraham Lincoln and then is able to boast historically people like Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, Teddy Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower, and so on and so forth, can't say this is the same party. Because it isn't. We have a huge, huge looming cloud, looming storm, you want to call it. The warning bells can't peel loud enough, folks, across this land. Too many voters are apathetic or foolishly complacent about the state of our looming fascist disunion. Tim Ryan and maybe one of the best Democrats running, one of the best candidates out there, period. He's running to pick up the Senate seat that was previously held by Rob Portman, the Republican senator who's retiring. He is running against a total fraud named J.D. Vance, a guy who once loathed Trump and referred to him as Hitler, who now uh, not only coveted his endorsement, but is running as a MAGA asshole. This is the guy also who wrote Hillbilly Elegy. So of course, he went to Yale, Yale Law School. So anyway, but Congressman Ryan, who represents uh, Toledo, uh, Youngstown, Ohio, excuse me, in the House, he says he's running for the exhausted majority because he really is a dirty moderate. He's trying to speak to people in Ohio about their problems and not nationalize everything into one big left-wing culture war or right-wing culture war. But protecting democracy, guys, is an ongoing project, and it is never-ending hard work. And this is what authoritarians count on, you being spent. You being tired, you being listless. But that's what they want. You know what? The exhausted majority, a majority that Ryan is talking about, he should go further and remind voters about the luxury of exhaustion because you don't have that luxury. You just don't have that luxury. Republican Party, since Ronald Reagan, has made an unholy alliance with religious zealots who preach fascist politics in the name of God. This goes way back, right? And all the racial dog whistles they used all those years to get white working class votes really, you should say, was a wink, wink, come over here, get ready kind of plea to militia types, white nationalists. Now that's MAGA, right? And now they're, they're not all going to vote, but they're going to vote Republican and hard, okay? Ronald Reagan courted Jerry Falwell, the moral majority, the religious right, the Christian right, but he never believed in it. He never delivered on his, you know, his promise of really restricting abortion or, or putting school prayer into the Constitution, an idea which had been struck down by the Supreme Court in 1962 and was resurrected as a culture war issue long gone now uh, by the religious right. Reagan whispered to his advisors about the religious right, a lot like Donald Trump, who knows that he's manipulating um, religious, quote unquote, people in the way a con man does. Reagan said he was just going to jolly them along, right? 
But guess what? He and all of his bedfellows and their pious overtures, maybe they knew it, maybe they didn't, but they created some kind of, oh, let's call it a promissory note, right? So politics in this country has a separation of church and state. Ostensibly, that's what we're that's what we're founded on. But wow, bring the religious right into politics. Create a revival tent equivalent of politics, if you will. And what do you get? You get a theocratic opening, a theocratic opportunity, don't you? And now they're calling for the debt to be repaid. It's been coming on. The loans come and due. Which, it me- which means now that the craziest ideas, the worst ideas, the most horrible right-wing stuff, which for years many Republicans said would never happen, is actually on the table openly. It is a new crusade. It is a cousin of Gilead, a uh, famous uh, setting of um, uh, Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale. So the Federalist Society is a legal organization created in the early 80s. It was the incubator for everybody from John Roberts to Sam Alito to Brett Kavanaugh. That's what they formed this group, uh, mainly Ivy League lawyers, but all prestigious lawyers uh, working in various Republican administrations, working on behalf of right-wing issues across the board and especially social issues. Well, they have a magazine called The Federalist. Federalist Society is the name of the organization. They have a magazine called The Federalist. And they have issued a manifesto that should give everybody in this country who cares about democracy, who knows what we've made in terms of progress, should give everybody the absolute chills. This is hair-raising stuff. They call themselves radical. This is a kind of fire-breathing platform that doesn't mince words, that brooks no discontent, that takes no prisoners, that does no moderation whatsoever. There's nothing dirty moderate about this. So the guy who wrote the article is called John Daniel Davidson. He admits what I've been saying. The Lincoln Project's been saying, Joe Walsh has been saying, all the never-Trumpers out there, former Republicans who are never-Trumpers and former Democrats like me who are never-Trumpers, independents out there, nomadic, looking for a home. But knowing there is a viable center-right tradition, a conservative tradition that is important in this country. Well, Davidson, the author of this manifesto, said it is time to stop conserving The title of the article is, We Need to Stop Calling Ourselves Conservatives. He asks, quote, so what kind of politics should conservatives today, as inheritors of a failed movement, adopt? For starters, they should stop thinking of themselves as conservative, much less as Republicans, and start thinking of themselves as radicals, restorationists, and counter-revolutionaries. Indeed, that is what they are, whether they embrace those labels or not, end quote. I don't know how close you guys have been following this, but anyone who has followed the rise of Donald Trump in the political arena, I don't mean in his New York real estate days, but ever since he came down that escalator, if you have been watching Trump world, you know that Trump's chief Svengali, Rasputin, um, uh, in-house, oh, I'd say handmaiden to the crazy, um, to the absolute venal evil um, policies, which Trump tried to push, you've got Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon once said, I'm a Leninist. Yeah, as in Lenin, Vladimir Lenin, the famous, let's say one of the fathers of communism and the Bolshevik revolution. Lenin, uh, Bannon said, hey, being a Leninist means, quote, I want to bring everything crashing down and destroy all of today's establishment, end quote. So Davidson, in this Federalist piece, is taking a page from that playbook. 
you know, which is essentially part of Trumpism, right? We call it the Trump Republican Party. They're not conservatives. I've been saying they don't conserve anything. They want to burn it down. And they are saying, yes, that is what we want to do. Folks, when people tell you what they believe and what they want to do, listen to me. Believe them. Okay? Believe them. The mainstream establishment of the Republican Party was caught unawares with the Dobbs decision. Meanwhile, they had agitated and courted and seduced a lot of people who wanted Roe v. Wade gone. And they got it done. They were caught, as I said, shocked. Oh, well, we raised money off that. We never believed it. Yeah, but you did. You put it out there. Got to be careful because people are telling you what they believe and you can make up all sorts of rationalizations and stories about why it isn't true until it does become true. Davidson is worried about, quote unquote, a woke dystopia. This is a, a manifesto really built not only on uh, being radical, counter-revolutionary, totally does not believe in the Constitution. It is a what I call a vengeful Christian populism. Lenin famously used the term enemies of the people. Stalin did too. Dictators have. You know, he always talked about the elite, quote unquote. Davidson's got enemies too, folks. Here's what he says. Conservative, quote, conservatives had better be ready for it. And Republican politicians, if they want to stay in office, had better have an answer ready when they are asked what reasonable limits to abortion restrictions they would support. The answer, none. For the same reason, they would not support reasonable limits to restrictions on premeditated murder. On the transgender question, Davidson continues, conservatives will have to repudiate utterly the cowardly position of people like David French. David French is a never-Trumper conservative who said that um, libraries that allow drag queens to read to children as a uh, sort of uh, exercise in tolerance and understanding, he called it a blessing of liberty. Conservatives, according to Davidson, or what they're not going to call conservatives, this new radical movement, they need to be saying that drag queen story hours should be outlawed, that parents who take their kids to drag shows should be arrested and charged with child abuse, and that any doctor anywhere in this country, talk about big government folks, they're not about the state, they want this outlawed at the federal level. This is the power of the state, the big government. The government is the problem, not the solution, which Ronald Reagan famously said. These people are saying they want outlaw gender-affirming interventions anywhere. A doctor should be thrown in prison for doing it and lose their medical license. And teachers who expose their students to any sexually explicit material should be prosecuted in a court of law. But he says, abortion with no exceptions? Parents who want to bring their kids to drag shows should be arrested and charged? But Gender-affirming surgeries are worthy of prison? To use the term, by the way, the transgender question has got to be some of the eeriest, most bone-chilling rhetoric I've heard ever used in modern politics. At least. Because the Nazi war machine created, if you remember, the final solution of the Jewish question. The Jewish question had been an anti-Semitic um, question, an anti-Semitic idea to ponder in the 19th century, especially throughout many parts of Europe, that culminated in Nazism, ultimately. Remember, Hitler said the Jews were an inferior race, his exist whose the very existence consigned them not to just being second-class citizens, but it made their extermination absolutely imperative.
And that's what we're talking about. The transgender question, the Jewish question. Folks, this is eerie stuff. So to describe this historical moment as existential is not melodramatic. It's not an exaggeration. And that's why the podcast, again, was created. I say we are fighters. We are warriors for democracy. We know there is no luxury of exhaustion or apathy. We know that 2020 you know, took so much out of everybody, but there's always another election. In fact, every two years, there's a big election because the House of Representatives is up every two years. And then a third of the Senate is up this year. So an understanding of history is so important right now because like a snake, right, that regenerates after it sheds its skin, this is where we are. You could say history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Mark Twain said that. But all the echoes of a very, very, very recent time. You can call it a not-so-distant past. You could call it 80 years ago, or in some cases less, are really reverberating right now through our politics, through our discourse, as if it's past. But as William Faulkner famously said and wrote, the past is never dead. It's not even past. Folks, as you prepare for the midterms and you register people to vote, vote.org, vote.org, which I always say here, go to vote.org. When people say, I'm angry, I'm talking to Democrats now about inflation, say, I hear you. We can do better. We should do better. But the other side, the Republicans have no plan. They're just running on fascism. But they actually have no plan. The Democrats have had some good ideas and some very bad ones, but at least they're trying in this post-pandemic crazy time, but go to vote.org, not just register people, tell them why voting blue is an existential idea, an existential act of intervention, right, on behalf of democracy. Follow our Why Vote Midterms 2022, where we do a deep dive into all of our key races. We are covering the midterms um, uh, profoundly, thoroughly, Call it whatever you want. We are going to have live coverage on election night. Make sure you subscribe to the show and our Substack at dirtymoderate.com. Every week you'll get my newsletter. Um, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, Amazon, Google, Apple, Spotify, we're everywhere. Uh, and as always, thank you for joining me. Until next time, stay dirty, stay moderate, and stay safe.